This next story is part of a project we're calling Every Other Hour. That's how often someone got shot last year in Chicago. The shootings continue. And here's something to know about the violence. In Chicago, more than anywhere else in the country, the shooters are more likely to be young people. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Patrick Smith. I mean, the things that we do, like... When we go retaliate, it is a bad thing, you know, like, but people just don't know why we do the shooting. Like, there's a story behind why we shoot people, you know? That's Alex. He's 21. And that thing you heard him talking about there, the reason why we shoot, that's something I've been trying to figure out. Last year here in Chicago, almost 4,500 people were shot, according to police. The University of Chicago did this big study to try to figure out why. They called this an almost unprecedented spike. Researcher Jens Ludwig runs the University of Chicago's crime lab, and there's one thing he said about their study that really stood out to me. If you look at the ages of homicide offenders in Chicago, and you look at the ages of homicide offenders in other cities around the United States— What you can see is that teenagers account for a noticeably larger share of homicide offenders in Chicago than in other cities. And so, you know, what we know is that there is something about these very disadvantaged South and West Side neighborhoods that are contributing to the gun violence problem. And those conditions seem to have particularly harmful effects on young people teenagers and their risk of involvement in the gun violence that is different from what you see in American cities. And so I think that we need to understand that more. That's a hugely important thing that we have to understand and try and fix. What Ludwig is saying there, that's something that I've heard from victims' families, neighbors, cops, other experts, this idea that it's young kids doing the shootings. And I've been trying to understand who these young shooters are and why they're shooting, how they got that gun, how they got in a position to shoot a gun at all. How does a young teenager end up in a place where shooting someone is even an option? I talked to a lot of people about this, but by far the most enlightening were two young men on Chicago's southwest side who've done gang shootings. You heard Alex a minute ago. The other one I talked to was Jaime. He's 19. He lives in Pilsen. His nickname when he was in a gang was Trigger. Yeah, I was 15 when I first shot my first gun. That's how I earned my nickname. One of my old school seeing how I was shooting, he's like, bro, he's like, you're a shooter, bro. Like, you got it in you, bro. Like, you got that aim. We're going to hear more from Jaime in a bit, but first, I want you to hear the story of Alex. Like I said, he's 21, and right now he's on house arrest awaiting trial for a gang shooting he did in November. He says he was recruited into the Latin Kings when he was 12. One time I had brought a BB gun into class and I got suspended for it. So once I got suspended, the whole school heard about that, you know? So, like, I was the cool kid around school. And um, a bunch of other kids started looking up to me, like all the little bad kids, you know, like all the little knuckleheads. They're like, oh, man, that guy's cool, you know? We should hang out with him. And, like, we used to hang out a lot, and then until one day, like, some gang member approached us and started chilling with us, you know? Like, he kind of told us that we wanted to join, that um, we'll be promised money, drugs, and um, protection. So we're like, yeah, protection sounds cool, you know? Like, I need protection. And, I mean, we love money, so we're like, yeah, that's cool, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll join, you know, that's cool. 
So as soon as we joined, we had to get initiated into a beatdown, you know. So then it was about four or five friends of us, and they had told us that we're all going to have to beat each other up, you know. And um, three minutes into the initiation, we just all just got beat up, basically, yeah. And then they just told us we're part of the gang now, you know. I wish that guy would have never approached us because, like, he introduced us into, like, this lifestyle that I'm in now. Like, if it wasn't for him, I probably would have just been playing Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I did make a lot of money, like, off selling drugs and stuff like that, but it wasn't really getting me new clothes, new shoes. I was just paying, helping my mom pay bills at first, and she kind of questioned about where I get the money, and, um, I had to be truthful about it because, like, my mom was the only person I used to go to and talk to about things, you know. And she kind of understood what I had to go through, you know, as a boy growing up. And, you know, in this area, the way it is, at the same time, like, I wish she would have put a stop to me or, like, spanked me for selling drugs, you know. Because, like, these guys were doing, like, killing people, actually. Like, I was witnessing these people, like, these grown men killing guys. And like I was supposed to be the ride along, you know, like like I'm I'm supposed to ride along with these guys, watch them kill somebody, so next time I come I know how to kill somebody. The first time I actually saw, I hit somebody with a bullet, like intentionally, like was when I was thirteen years old. And um I was actually with a bunch of friends and we were game banging on my block, you know? And um, every time you game bang, you have your leader and you have the second ranking officer. The ranking officer from my block, you know, he gave me his gun as me being his bodyguard, you know? So I took the gun, I mean, as a little kid, I really I really didn't know how to use a, a gun, so I just like, okay. So I guess I got in the gangway. I was in the darkened area, you know, with a hoodie over my head. And I was just watching every car pass by, you know, like as a real security guard. So like about an hour into being in the gangway, I seen the car pull up and um, these guys were like four deep so it kind of caught my attention, like, who all these guys were. So these guys started hollering out the window asking for weed if we had weed for sale. And um, one of my friends walked up to the cart not knowing that it was actually a rival gang trying to trick us. Once my friend, like, walked up to the car, on the other side, of, on the opposite side of the car, a, a door opened. So that's when I jumped up. I had the gun right next to my pocket, you know, in my hoodie pocket. And um, as soon as the guy jumped out the car, he charged at us with a bat, not knowing that I had a gun on me. So I pulled it out, and um, I was aiming for his chest. That's all I remember was aiming for his chest. And I squeezed the trigger about four or five times, striking him in the chest. It was a 45 caliber, it was pretty heavy. And as soon as I pulled the trigger once, like the gun, like it jerked my shoulder back from all that power that it probably had. But after that, like 
like, I don't know, like, I felt a little bit, like, I don't know, like, hyped up, like, you know, like, damn, you know, I just, I just shot my first gun, you know? And um, he ended up jumping back at the car as soon as I shot him. They pulled off, and um, uh, he was hospitalized, and um, he, yeah, he came out in good condition after that. After, I think, about a week being hospitalized. I got caught by the cops with the gun, so I ended up catching the case, you know, with the attempt murder. I did about, actually, like, three years. A lot of friends, like, were like, I mean, they were boasting about me, like, saying, free me, you know, all this good stuff on Facebook, MySpace, actually, back then. And um, when I got out, I mean, I got hit with like with drugs and money as a like as an award for what I did. But in the long run, it kind of just affected my lifestyle. It kind of like messed up my head being in themselves for so long and just sitting there thinking about like what I had done. Cause just sitting in jail replays the same crime you did over and over and over. So like kind of mentally messes you up. My friend was like all into school, like he was all for it. Like he just tried to do the same thing that I was trying to do, get out the gang life. And um, on his 18th birthday, he ended up getting killed, which was November 15, 2016, you know? And when that happened, it kind of like brought me back into my old ways, into like, being a crazy guy, you know, like doing bad things. Like I was trying to change myself. I was in Malcolm X getting my GD. Um, I was going to welding school and um, I was doing so good. I had a job. I wasn't, I wasn't going to my hood for a year and a half and you not showing your face around the block, it's consequences, you know? It's called the SOS, smash on sight, you know, like when they catch you, they beat you, you know. So I guess that's what I had coming for not being around for a year and a half. So the day my friend got killed, I decided to go back to my hood and take a two-minute two beatdown from all my guys, you know. And um, I'm like, yeah, I'm part of the block now, you know, I'm back again, you know. It's just I was going through some things. I told them what I was doing and... They accepted it like, yeah, that's cool, you know, we want you to change your life, but, you know, you got to come back and show your face, you know, you just, you got a family here. And um, as soon as, after the beatdown, I told my friends, like, I need a gun. They gave me a gun, and um, I called my close friend that I trust, and, um, he came and picked me up, and he brought his close friend that he trusted, and he had his own gun. So it was going to be two of us that jumped out and did what we did. We rode around by the rival gang members. We were going about, uh, around the blocks four or five times until we found some guy in a wheelchair sitting on top of his porch steps with um, five other guys with black hoodies over the head. So we're like, man, these guys surely look like they game bang. And sure enough, these guys were like throwing gang signs at us. So we're like, all right, cool. You know, these guys are definitely the guys you're going to try to 
try to kill. So we decided to go around the whole house, you know, like we went in front of the house and we approached these guys and my friend was the first one to fire the shots, you know. So he let like three shots go and I was waiting for somebody like with a gun to like shoot back. That was my whole like instinct, like to to wait to see who's the shooter from their side, you know. And I guess nobody had a gun, so that's when I started, like, shooting at them. And, I mean, we all missed, but I still got caught. Like, as soon as I let all my shots go, I had seven shots. I let all seven shots go, and I'm running back to the alley. And as I'm com- I'm running from the front of the house back to the alley, uh, a detective car was coming up the block, and they caught me. They told me they had a disturbance call on the gang members that were out there. And um, I was bad timing, you know. I'm pretty much going to be doing four years anytime soon. But um, I'm on house arrest just to get this extra time, you know, as counted for. We're going to try to file motion for suppressed evidence. But, I mean, all in all, like, I'm actually just going to take my whole consequences that I got to deal with, you know, because... I'm not going to sit here and lie to the judge and say that I didn't have a gun, you know, when I knew what I was going to do. I mean, the things that we do, like, when we go retaliate, it is a bad thing, you know, like, but people just don't know why we do the shooting. Like, there's a story behind why we shoot people, you know. I mean, I understand innocent bystanders are getting hit, and I do not, like, I don't approve of that, you know, like innocent people dying because of these dumb people that want to shoot. But like sometimes like there's a big story behind why the guy shot him, you know, or why the guy wants to shoot somebody. And I mean, it's, it's about who's whose gang's the toughest, actually, or what gang got the most kills, you know, it's like who dies the fastest, you know. That was Alex, and one thing that really stuck out to me was the contradiction within him. You know, I spent almost two hours with him in an apartment in Little Village that he shares with his mom and his younger brother. He's this smart, charming kid who sometimes says all the right things about being remorseful and about how he knows that shootings are bad. You know, he knows it's bad that innocent people get hit. He knows he's contributing to the cycle of violence, but he also... As you heard at the end there, he talks about why they need to do this or why it's at least a, an honorable thing or a necessary thing to do this. And he seems to really believe that. Like the shooting that he was talking about at the end there. You know, he's, he sees himself as, as honorably avenging his young friend. But he didn't actually know who killed his friend. And after he told me that story recounting when they went and tried to kill the people who he thought were responsible, I asked him about that specifically. But you didn't know that those dudes were, any of them were the ones who actually killed your friend, right? Uh, I'm not sure, but like, what tells me they were was that the whole neighborhood that our, their gang was, nobody was out. Like, they were the only guys out there, like, gang banging on a Wednesday, you know? That gives me like, like, I don't know. I just felt like that was them that did it, you know, like they wanted to be out there because what a coincidence. My guy gets killed and these guys are hanging out, you know, being all tough, throwing gang signs, you know. 
The other young man I talked to is named Jaime. He's 19 now, and he lives about three miles northeast of Alex in Pilsen. Just like Alex, he joined a gang. His gang is called the Almighty Bishops before he even got to high school. And also like Alex, he describes it as being part peer pressure, part persuasion, and part necessity. At first, I wasn't going to bang, to be honest. I, I remember exactly how it happened. On Friday night, we all got drunk. I was like, what, 13 or something? And then I came home late as hell, like, at 3. My mom, she was so mad. Like, she did not want me to go out Saturday night. That night, all my friends ended up, like, my closest, closest, closest friends, the people I grew up with since I was three years old, they all turned the same gang. So I was just like, damn. Unless, you know, on Monday, I end up turning out. Because going to her school, the Ambrose were messing with me. And my boy Shady and my boy Darkness were like, bro, well, they think you're a bishop, might as well turn bishop. And like in my head, I was like, why not? So I just ended up turning out. I got my violation. I took it like a champ. I was in the basketball court, and my ops came into the park, and they're all like, what you is? I was like, I'm a bishop. And then I seen a dude up a gun, and then the other guy had a gun, so it's like, I had two guns just pointed at me. And then they're all like, let's smoke them already, let's smoke them. So I dip. So as soon as I started dipping, like literally in like three seconds, they just started firing. Doom, 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 like nonstop. After all that happened, it turns out a girl got shot an inch away from her heart. I caught the guy like a month later driving in my neighborhood. So... I flagged him, and he jumped out. I was so mad that he almost killed me, and I was so mad that he shot a girl, so it's like, she didn't deserve to get shot, and I deserve to get shot, so it's like, my time is my time, so I just ran up on him, and we just started fighting there, bro, but it got to the point where, like, I couldn't stop, like, I couldn't stop, like, he ended up on the floor, and I just kept stomping on him, stomping on him, and, like, he got up, and then he just fell out. Like, he just fell out, bro. And, like, there was so much blood on the floor, bro. Yeah, I was 15 when I first shot my first gun. And that's how I earned my nickname, Trigger. That's why, like, at first they were going to call me Trippy because, bro, I used to stay high, bro. Like, high, bro. Like, I used to probably smoke, like, 80 a day. But, yeah, they, they were going to call me Trippy. And then after that, one of my old school seeing how I was shooting, he's like, bro, he's like, you're a shooter, bro. Like, you got it in you, bro. Like, you got that aim. I, I It was Memorial Day, too, bro. That's all I'm going to say, Memorial Day. And um, that day, bro, like, uh, somebody, like, the, OG, the OGs wanted some one of the shorties to go handle business. Nobody wanted to do it. Like, you do it. I was like, man, I'll do it. Like, I, I want to do it. Okay, come on, let's go. So they gave me the pole, and I took one of my homies with me. I was like, come on, let's walk. Bro, I had a big-ass 357, bro. I never seen a gun that big, bro, freaking handgun. I was like, what the f***, dude? This is just the size of my thigh, bro. 
I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, I'm gonna break my fucking wrist. But I still shot it, bro. And like, at first I did it one-handed. And I actually knocked my wrist back. And then I went two-handed, bro. I was chasing him down the block. And then, like, we're going back to the hood and like, I'm over here just laughing, you know, like. And then, um, they pulled up on us, bro. And, bro, they let off, like, I don't know, like, eight shots on us, just doom, 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 doom. So I still had one more shot, I just said, fuck it, boom. And then I just hear the whole car, it's so loud, it sounds like, sounds like a freaking bomb or something, dude. Like, my ears were so popped, I couldn't hear shit. At, at first, in the beginning, it was like, I don't know, it was an adrenaline rush. Like, I'd be so blind at the fact that I was getting sent off, you know? I was a walking sent off, bro. Like, they'll send me and the shorties off because they didn't want to do it themselves, but they still want people to get shot. It's like, at the end of the like, think about it like this. Like, all right, the neighborhood's a big house, bro, and there's a mom, and then you have a bunch of brothers, and each gang's a brother, you know? Each gang wants to be the man of the house. They want to be the man of the streets. They want to be in charge. So the OGs send the shorties out to show them, like, don't fuck with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we run the shit. And at first it was working, bro. Like, we started our block 17. We're, bro, we only had two OGs. The rest were 15-year-olds. In the beginning, I had to ask for them, like, oh, can I hold it? But it got to a point where they're like, here, just hold this one. Keep this on you at all times. So I kept it on me. Bro, it was so beautiful, bro. Like, the barrel and all that was, like, Charcoal gray, bro. I, do I fell in love with that gun, bro? Like, I mean, I, I do feel bad for, like, certain people and the things I've done, you know, because, like, you know, my mentor told me, he's like, bro, think about the mothers, you know, think about the fathers, think about brothers, sisters, kids, bro. You don't know what that person had, and you just took that from them. This is the way I tell people. When people ask me, like, why do people game, man? It's like, think about it like this. Police, school, and just basically society does not accept certain people. You know what I'm saying? They choose who they want. Gangs don't do that. They accept anybody, bro. Anybody. It don't matter if you're geeky or something. They're going to accept you, bro. That's the thing. A lot of people don't know how to do that. They don't know how to accept people. They don't know how to bring them in with open arms, you know? Everybody wants to just choose their own circle like nah gangs they they accept anybody bro it don't matter you know what i'm saying you're more than welcome you're more than welcome to come home bro so that was jaime he's 19 he lives in pilsen and he used to be a member of the almighty bishops he says he's not a member of that gang anymore which has its own problems. Um, this is something that Alex talked about too, the SOS, which basically says if you stop showing up to your gang block, if you drop out of the gang, there's a consequence for that, that you're going to have to take a beating if you ever, if they ever catch you or if you ever come back to the block again. Jaime actually lives just a few blocks away from his old gang block. He says he has to walk through it to get to his girlfriend's house. And, and he says that there are dangers to that. Just a few days ago, actually, they pulled up on me telling me, like, and I thought they were going to jump me right then and there. I was like, you know, I, I'm not running from y'all. Like, might as well just jump me now. And they just came up to me, and they just shook my hand and everything. I like, come back home, you know. You're still more than welcome on the block. But I was like, I'm good, bro. Like, I'm just making this music, fam. Eventually, they're going to react some type of way, though. You think so? 
Yeah, I'm just waiting on it. You know, I could take an ass whooping. I'll be in the hospital for like two days, three days, and then I'll be back out. Yeah, Alex was telling me when he was away from the block, I didn't even know this was a thing, that he, they have the SOS if you haven't been shown your face. Yeah. That sort of thing? Yeah, like, uh, at first I did have SOS. I had Smash on site. And then after that, some some of, like, the members from the gangs, I don't know, for some reason, it just has so much hate towards me. Well, like, certain people, and they're all like, nah, F that. We got them on another SOS. We got them on shoot on site. So that's Jaime again, obviously, talking about the SOS, smash on site, or as he said, shoot on site. And what I thought was so interesting about that, and and interesting is maybe not even the right word, what was so upsetting about it was that both Alex and Jaime talked about that SOS, and when they talked about being in a gang, when they talked about that life, sometimes it sounded like an addiction. You know, they would talk about trying to get away from it and then being pulled back in and almost kind of enjoying being pulled back in. And sometimes it sounded like an abusive relationship. Like, if you even tried to leave, that was when you were in the most danger. And sometimes, as as you heard in what Jaime was just talking about there, sometimes the gang was, was loving and nice to you and, and said they supported you. But at all times, the older gang members, the leaders of the gang, they're trying to exert influence and power. They're trying to always stay a part of these kids' lives. Both Alex and Jaime said that to really get away from that, to, to ever feel like they were totally clear of those influences and that, that threat on their life, that threat on their safety, the only way they could ever do that would be if they left Chicago altogether. Another thing that I noticed that was similar about the two of them, they're very different in a lot of ways, but something that I noticed that was similar about them, and, and I guess this is no coincidence, is that they both experienced intense trauma at really young ages. Jaime told me his older brother died of a drug overdose just a few months before he ended up becoming an almighty bishop. That's painful, bro. Like, my brother died in my arms, you know? Like, I was shaking him, and he wouldn't wake up. I was smacking him in the chest, and like, I don't know, he just didn't wake up. I was like, nah, bro, you know, don't leave me. Like, he left, you know? How long from when that happened to when you when you joined up? A few months. For Alex, his trauma was watching his stepdad stab to death when he was a little kid. I met both Alex and Jaime through Eddie Bocanegra. He's the head of the YMCA's Youth Safety and Violence Prevention Initiative. One of the things he does is he runs a program called Urban Warriors, where kids who are in gangs are mentored by military veterans. Both Alex and Jaime went through that program And Bocanegra says the main focus of that program is trauma and how it affects kids, how it leads them into gangs, how it impacts their decisions. It's it's easy for most people to pass judgment and criticize the acts that maybe Alex um, might have partake partaken after this event. You know whether you know catching any felonies or being involved in the streets. But if somebody was to be able to trace the root causes of that behavior, I'm going to assume, and I'm going to bet money that seeing his stepfather being killed is one of the first places that a lot of this um, maladaptive coping behavior or his behavior in general um, in terms of the streets stems from. Thanks for listening. I'm Patrick Smith, WBEZ. In 
Investigative reporting and in-depth journalism at WBEZ is made possible in part with support from Doris and Howard Conant.